it's kind of fun to, to, to think back on this particular passage in uh, Luke chapter 24, which is what we're on here. Uh, and our message today is called Hope Road. And that road to Emmaus, um, these disciples started down this road they were very confused, they were very discouraged, they were disillusioned because they thought the Messiah had come, they were had certain expectations. Well, what happened Friday night, right? He had been crucified and laid in a tomb, right? They're like, what's happening? We had expectations, things weren't supposed to end this way. And so, as I was thinking about just how those guys would have been feeling. And in the scripture there does tell us in Luke chapter 24, it actually does explain to us that it says they were sad. They were very sad. They were grieving. Think about this. You're one of your, uh, he wasn't just their teacher. Jesus wasn't just their teacher, but he was, they'd grown very close with him. And he was gone, crucified, you know, killed in the most gruesome way. And so, but anyway, they're, they're confused. They're discouraged. And uh, when I saw this in my office the other day, this shovel. Um, Frank Ferrison gave me this shovel. I'm pretty sure it was you, wasn't it, Frank? Yeah. It was, wasn't it? Okay, I thought so. I didn't, you know, because sometimes I can't remember what I had for breakfast, so I'm not sure if I remember this right. Anyways, Frank gave me this shovel. It was probably 15 years ago. And, you know, this is one of those ceremonial groundbreaking shovels that you, you know, you kind of go out and you kind of do one of these, you know, and you shovel dirt. Well, this was for what was to be for our church building on Scioto Darby Road, which never was built, okay? And some of you have been here that during that time and through that period, it was very kind of confusing time, uh, just to be honest for me. We had plans, we had expectations, we raised money and and the banking crisis hit in 2008, and many other things were happening at the same time, and it was just like the perfect storm to not build a building, okay? Uh, and so, so this shovel reminded me of a time of confusion. It reminded me of like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I thought we were following you over here, but you've kind of diverted us, right? And um, as many of you know... Uh, we ended up buying this building, which was an existing building on these roughly five acres, and, and the rest is, is history. But we all probably have a shovel story like that, a, a story where you had expectations uh, and, and it didn't come through, and you're disappointed, you're confused about what's going on, and uh, if you're a believer in God, you're like, God, I, I just, uh, I'm disappointed in you even, you know? I don't understand. And so I just, um, I want you to know that I really think one of the reasons that this story, uh, true story, you know, when we say story, we're not saying fiction here, but th- this particular account of Jesus' resurrection appearance is not just, not just about the resurrection. Certainly it is that, that we serve a risen Savior. He's not in a graveyard anymore, okay? But it's also to show us that God is walking with us in life's disappointments, okay? He wants us to experience resurrection power in our lives, 
and he wants us to experience the living hope that we sang about earlier. We sang that song, Living Hope, and Jesus Christ is that. And so uh, this morning, let's go to prayer. Let's ask God uh, to, to bless us with his presence and with that living hope uh, as we get into his word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you that uh, when he was crucified and laid in a tomb, he didn't stay there but was resurrected. Uh, and, and, and Lord, it's just, we know it's a miracle. And, and, and Father, we thank you that because he rose again from the dead, all those who, have, who put their faith in him for the forgiveness of their sins, they too will rise again uh, in the last day and be reunited with the Savior, and be with Him forever here on the new heavens and new earth. And we're thankful that, that it's not just a future thing. I'm so thankful that this relationship with God that every believer has through Jesus Christ is real, it's tangible, it's daily, and uh, you are a very present help for us in trouble, like it says in the Psalms. Uh, we serve a God, we know a God, He's very personal. He's not, he doesn't just create the world and spin it and let it go and then kind of look from afar. We thank you, God. You are involved in our lives. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word. We would hear, God, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see uh, what you're doing. Help us grow in our trust. Help us to know that whatever's happening, we can fully put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now put, put the shovel down. I think, I think Charlie was a little nervous when there was a shovel up here during worship. He wasn't sure what was going on. You never know, right? You never know. Listen, um, as we, we look at this passage, uh, let's just take a, 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 a reminder about the situation. The situation that was happening, right? We've, we've mentioned some of it, but just to recap, and as, as those two guys, old guys on the <clears throat> there playing checkers reminded us, the passage of Scripture here, what it says, this is Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 55, but at the very beginning it says, that very day, two of them, two of them meaning two of the disciples, followers of Jesus, were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're walking. Um, and so it says they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. These things, you know, all that has transpired with Jesus and his crucifixion and being laid in a tomb. And reports about that he might be alive. Right? They said that there were some women that had gone to the to- Jesus' tomb earlier that day and said the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, but an angel appeared and said, He is risen, he's alive. Right? And so, but you can tell though, they really didn't know what to believe. Right? Otherwise, why would they be sad now? There's no reason to be sad if he's alive. Right? So they hadn't really quite believed this message, this word that Jesus was risen. They just didn't know what to think about it because they hadn't really seen the risen Savior. Right? So that's the situation. Right? And, um, what I'd like to do as we kind of go through this passage is I'd like to talk about uh, just how we can experience hope. We ourselves can experience hope and the resurrection power in the midst of confusion 
and discouragement. So as we go through life, if we're going to be honest, and I think we should, we've all had some serious uh, discouragements and times of confusion. And if you haven't had, I want to hang out with you, okay? Because there's something going on there, all right? But we all do. This is a part of life, right? And so with that, though, I really think there's a message here in this passage in addition to that resurrection, that how we can experience the living hope in the midst of chaos in our lives, okay? And so the first thing, though, I think we have to do is, if we want to experience hope and the resurrection power in the midst of confusion and discouragement, is you've got to invite God in. You've got to invite God in. Uh, this is, if you don't get anything else today, remember this. You've got to invite God into your life. What do I mean by that? Well, what we mean by that is just simply saying, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to not only help me make sense of what's going on, but I need you to save me from my sin. And I recognize that I am a sinner. I mean, if, I think if we're really honest, that's, that's pretty much a no-brainer. We all do things that are wrong. We think things that are wrong. We say things that are wrong that are hurtful to other people. We do things that are hurtful. I mean, it's just, that's, we're born that way. And, um, and so God, that's, that's the whole reason why God sent Jesus Christ, right? He, God demonstrated his love towards us, it says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he died for us so that we might be brought near to God. Well, why aren't we near to God to begin with? Well, it's because our sin separates us from God. Holy God, sinful people, you could see the difference there. It's like oil and water, right? But how can we be brought near to God is that, well, if we put our faith in Christ and believe on him, and ask him to forgive us, you know, because that's why he died, was to offer forgiveness. He died in our place. He died a death we should have died, right? Because he did nothing wrong. And it's, it's, it's like a substitutionary death. It's like someone has paid the penalty for your sin. If you want that, penalty, that payment to count for you, you have to invite God into your life. And you have to ask for his, that forgiveness to be counted to you. Otherwise, you will pay the penalty when you die. So, it's kind of like door number one, Jesus. Door number two, you. Okay? That's, that's, that's basically it. Either you're going to pay the penalty or Jesus is going to pay the penalty for you. Okay? And so, when we say invite God in, that's what we're saying. I- acknowledge your need for Him. Invite Him and say, God, I, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I know I need you. Uh, I know I need Christ. And that's something I did, you know, over 30 years ago. I don't know if I'm going to do the subtraction that, that large now, but, but back in 1982, that happened to me. Uh, and, and many of you here could point to a time or a time period where God was drawing you to himself and basically you said, God, come into my life, right? And so these guys on the road to Emmaus, uh, in, in, in Luke chapter 24, verses, uh, Luke chapter 24, 28 and 30 says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they, as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with him. So, you know, here they were, Cleopas was one of the guy's names. We don't know who the other person's name was, could have been his wife. We, we just don't know. There's two of them. 
We know one of the names. But they, as they're going along, they're listening to Jesus talk and not knowing it's him yet, right? They're talking to Jesus, but eventually when they get to that metaphorical fork in the road, right, uh, they invite him to come to their house. And in doing so, right, they invite God in there, and then Jesus reveals himself to them, right? And so this is what I want to say is, you know, there's no accident that you're here today. There's no accident that you're watching online today. You know, God must be doing something in your life to bring you to this time. And, and, and so grab hold of that. That's what I'm saying. You, you, you seize that moment, okay? Is that when God is working, you want to kind of hop on board. It's like a surfer. You want to ride the wave. God is working. You invite him in. You grab hold and say, God, I don't know what this is all about, but I want to know you. I want to know Jesus as Savior, and I want you to help me through this life. And I need your grace to do it. It's just an expression of need, okay? And so, um, and if you do that, he'll be on the road forward with you if you invite him. He promises uh, to all believers, he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And when the Savior makes a promise, he's good on it, okay? Unlike you and I, we may not intend to, but sometimes we break our promises, right? Uh, Jesus is never going to break a promise. God has never broken a promise. He always keeps his promises. So you know that if God says, when you invite me in, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And so um, also know this, if your heart is breaking today, if God is you know, if you're wounded by some situation or you're confused and all that, I just know the Bible tells me God is near, okay? Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. And so uh, just know that the Savior uh, knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on, and he He is near to the brokenhearted. There's some... His heart breaks when your heart breaks, okay? That's the kind of Savior we have. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says we do not have, uh, you know, a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus Christ, yo, though yet God in the flesh, but he was also man. And because of that, he experienced all the temptation we do. Um, and just, he knows what it's like to be human. And so he understands, and so he understands our brokenheartedness, you know. I mean, you know, what happened when one of Jesus' best friends died, Lazarus? He wept. He wept. And then he went and raised him from the dead, right? But nonetheless, he, he, he's near the brokenhearted. So just know that. Invite God in to your confusion. Invite him in to your discouragement. He will not disappoint. He will be there helping you through. Okay? He may not eliminate the circumstances, but he will be there with you. Okay? <clears throat> There's the verse. Sorry, I didn't show that to you earlier. Um, now, the second thing that we see in this, in this passage is this, that these two disciples needed, if they were going to have living hope and experience living hope, and if they were going to experience the resurrection power to, to live on after what was going on, they needed to surrender their expectations, okay? 
They needed to surrender their expectations. They had, uh, well, let's take a look here in these verses. In Luke chapter 24, verse 19, it says, and he said to them, this is when Jesus says, well, you know, what things are you guys talking about? Right, what things are you guys talking about? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to the condemned to be to be condemned to death and crucified him. Now listen to this. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. I mean, those few words there, but we had hoped. They had they had some expectations. Right? Their expectations were that again, Jesus was the Messiah and so therefore He's coming to rescue us from the Roman oppressors. He's going to set up his kingdom here on the earth right now. And we'll be at peace, right? And all this, they were thinking that was happening now. That was their expectation. Um, When they read the Old Testament, they saw those passages that did promise that. Okay? But the thing was is that they didn't realize that some things had to happen before that, right? They didn't know, they didn't make the connection that, that, the, um, that suffering was going to have to come before glory. They didn't make the connection that the cross was going to have to come before the crown, okay? They let those expectations kind of color their world, right? And so if we're going to walk with God through times of confusion and discouragement, we need to surrender our expectations. All right? Do not set your heart on a particular outcome in your life. Um, You and I, at different points, probably have had ideas about things the way would go in our life. I'll bet you that they're not exactly the way you thought they would be to the T. Some things are, did not happen the way you thought they would, right? And as a believer, what we need to do is to put our hope in God, not the circumstances, not in the particular outcome of a situation, right? And you know what? I got to say, I, I've been praying about a number of things, and I've been seeing God answer the way I'm asking, but it's not always that way, <laughs> All right. Um, a lot of times I pray things and God doesn't answer the way I want. He answers a different way. Okay. Um, that doesn't even necessarily mean that it's a bad thing that we're asking for. It says that God says, you know what? I, I got a different plan here. Okay. And it, I know it doesn't meet your expectations, so you need to surrender your expectations to me, God says. Otherwise, we're going to be, frankly, quite frustrated human beings. Okay, and, and believers, if we do not surrender our expectations to God, okay, it's in Him that needs to be our hope, not our circumstances or a particular outcome. Okay, when I look at Jesus and I see what He says in John chapter four, verse thirty-four, He says, um, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work." So Jesus, is like, you know what? There's a lot of things I could be doing, but I need to be about my father's business, and that's my bread and butter, okay? He's like, that's what I want to do, you know? 
Uh, there's probably a lot of things humanly he could have done to help people at the time, but he had a mission, and he certainly did heal a lot of people, you know, uh, to the glory of God, he did that. Uh, but, you know, uh, not every person got healed while he was here, okay? And so uh, I, I'm just saying this because what we need to do is we need to pray like Jesus prayed when he said, you know, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, God, but yours be done. And when we, when we do that, when we come before God in prayer, we should come open-handed and basically say, God, my life is yours. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you about things. I'm going to talk to you about things. I'm going to tell you my dreams and my hopes, and I'm going to pray for those. But I tell you, God, those dreams and those things are in wet cement. And I want to do what you want, right? Lord, help me to... Uh, to help me to wrestle with the things that I want that maybe are contrary to what you want, okay? And if we do that, that's going to help our times of confusion. It's going to help us be focused on God himself, okay? So not only uh, do we want to uh, invite God in and surrender our expectations, but we need to seek God's perspective, okay? We need to seek God's perspective, and that's what these... Disciples needed as well, and I'm going to look at that part of the passage in a second, but I want you to take a look at this picture up here. How many people see a rabbit? All right, how many people see a How many people see a duck? Okay, some of you guys see it both, right? But it kind of depends on what you focus in on as to what you see. It's one of those optical illusions, you know, there's different ones out there, but, um, you know, in, in this case, this can kind of mean different things. But if somebody points to, to a particular perspective on this drawing, you'll see one thing, right? Well, these disciples, as they're walking along, right, they needed Jesus to put the pieces together for them. They needed to get God's perspective on the events of what was happening with Jesus' death, okay? So when we look in the passage there again in Luke 24, verses 25 to 27, it says, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. And then it goes on to say, was it, he says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? He's like, don't you guys get it that he, Jesus had to come to suffer first and then he'll come back as a reigning king? Okay? Um, and so, this is what Jesus, I'm sure, was talking to them as they're walking along. And it says he started, you know, with the, with the writings of Moses and then the prophets. And he's like, he's kind of tracing that scarlet thread of redemption. That, you know, by the way, you know, the Bible in one sense is best read now uh, looking at the New Testament and looking backwards. Because when you read the New Testament, it explains so much of what God was doing in the Old Testament. And you see Jesus actually all through the Old Testament, though his name is not mentioned, okay? And so the disciples here, what they needed in their confusion was they needed God's perspective, okay? And if they had had God's perspective, they wouldn't have been so distraught. They would realize, oh, when God was talking about the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, who would also be a reigning king, that's Jesus. 
And there was suffering first and then followed by a reigning king. Okay? Well, you know, and so then it goes on to say, you know, and beginning with Moses and all the prophecy, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I mean, you talk about the best Bible study ever. Jesus Christ himself walking along, explaining the Bible to these guys. I mean, you know, uh, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? And, and of course, you know, later in the passage, isn't that what the guy said? Were not our hearts burning within us as he was explaining all this stuff? I can just imagine, you know, as believers, when we get to heaven, I just wonder how much we're going to have those, like, you know, moments. You know, like, wow, I didn't see that. You know, oh, that's so cool. And, and just, you know, erupting in praise and uh, just, I don't know. And so, I, but just know that we've got to have God's perspective on things, right? Uh, otherwise, we're going to be sorely disappointed. But how do we get that? Well, we get it by getting in the Bible. Uh, if you want to gain God's perspective on life, uh, if you want to gain God's perspective on finances, on work, on marriage, on, on virtually anything, you go to the Bible, okay? And, and so when we get that perspective, then we can know how to look through the lens of things that are going on. And, we, and it doesn't explain every circumstance. I mean, we don't have a, I don't have a Bible verse for, you know, okay, my car's broken, how do I fix it, Okay. <laughs> But, you know, um, but, but what I'm saying is it gives us a framework, all right? And, and you need a God framework, all right, of, how, of not only how, how to see the world, but, but who God is, right? This book, the Bible, uh, is given to us so that we could know who God is. He's revealed himself to us in the scriptures and through his son, Jesus Christ, so so I just encourage you. I, I don't know if you read your Bible. I know many households of America have more than one copy. Uh, and now we've got like, you know, right here on your phone, uh, on whatever device you have. And just start reading. Maybe the, maybe the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. Just If you want to read about Jesus' life, maybe the Gospel of Mark would be a good place to start. And ask God. You talk about inviting God. Invite God into your Bible reading. Invite him and say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to know what your will is for my life. And just read a little bit, 10 minutes every day, and learn about who God is as he demonstrates who he is through his son, Jesus Christ. All right? And, uh, and you'll discover uh, an incredible, incredible God will meet you right there on the pages of Scripture. Okay? And so spending time with God in the Bible is really the way to get his perspective. All right? Now, the last thing uh, I want to mention, oh, oh, this is a great verse for you, by the way, on perspective. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. You know, when, when, you're, when you're in time of confusion and your expectations have been busted and so on, uh, we, have, we need to acknowledge and know that we're not always going to understand everything from God's perspective, right? Um, we can, we can certainly try to get perspective from the Bible, and it does give us perspective, but sometimes we, we won't know all the answers, right? So what we need to cling to is we have a good God who has our best in mind. And so I look at this verse here in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts, this is God speaking. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heaven, so as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
In other words, trust me. <laughs> in other words, I'm doing stuff you can't even see. It's like that tapestry that's woven. And on one side of the tapestry, it looks like chaos. Flip it over, the canvas is beautiful. But many times, we don't, we don't know what God is doing. We uh, are disillusioned, we're confused. But what we need to do is hang on to this truth that God is working things that we don't even understand. Okay? God is working things we don't understand. And that's where, again, by knowing the God of the Bible, by getting His perspective and knowing Him, as revealed in the Scriptures and through Jesus, that will help us gain our confidence that I can trust God. Right? Isn't it true that the better you know someone, the typically the, the stronger the trust bond is? And so the way to get to know him is the scriptures, and that is going to grow your confidence in trusting the unknown to God. All right? Now, the last thing I want to mention here is that we need to trust God's timing. We need to trust God's timing. And um, when we take a look here in this passage, we see in verses 30 and 31, it says, when he was at the table with them and he took the bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and then their eyes were opened and they recognized that it was Jesus who was sitting with them and then he vanished from their sight. <clears throat> Jesus didn't reveal himself immediately to them on the road, Right? The three days had gone by. They were grieving. They were hurting. But in God's wisdom, in the Lord's wisdom, He revealed to them, He revealed Himself to them at just the right time. And so, what we need to do is we need to trust God's timing. You know, when sometimes we're confused about the things that are going on in our lives, we think, well, hey, God, I think this thing would be a great thing for me and my family, or be a great thing for my kid, or this or that. Why isn't this happening now? Why aren't you fixing this now? And there could be a lot of reasons why, but one of the reasons why is this not the right timing. And let me explain one of the perspectives from, from, from God's perspective about timing. Sometimes God is delaying something because he's working a redemptive act in somebody's life. And he's using your life, or maybe he's actually working on redeeming you. <laughs> but maybe he wants to work through you. And that delay is going to put you in the path of someone who needs to hear about God. Okay? This verse talks about that. And then I'm going to share a little story with you. It says, uh, in 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, it says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's basically talking about you know time. You know God's not even bound by time, right? Um, and then it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness. And this is talking about the promise of His coming again. And it says, but but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So, what this verse tells me is that one of the reasons the Lord is delaying His, his return 
and also other delays that he might be putting into that timeline is for the redemption of for as many people who will say yes to Jesus, for as many people who will invite God in. Let me talk to you, just to share a little story with you about timing and trusting God's timing. This one was just, it's not a big thing, but I just recognize that I'm pretty sure it was a God thing. And that is this last week, so Linda and I were not here at service. Um, we were at my dad's house, um, and we were hanging out with him. Well, the reason for that was is we're selling our house, and we needed to show the house Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we had two dogs, and we don't want to go in and out all the time with the dogs, you know, with the showings of the house. And so initially when we knew this was going to be happening, we, we reached out to a family member by text message and said, hey, do you, basically, do you mind if we come and we'll live with you for four days with our two dogs? And um, before that person could get back, I told Linda, I said, let's talk to my dad and see if we can go visit him because we've only seen him once during COVID. Maybe we can hang out with him. And sure enough, I got a hold of my dad. She said, sure, come on over. That'd be great, you know? So we planned it out and everything. Right after I got off that phone call, the person who we at, reached out to said, sure, come on down. I said, oh, well, hey, in the time I texted you, I've already got other plans. God's timing. You know why? Because uh, God gave the perfect opportunity to share about his plan of salvation with my dad. It was, it was, it was just like, you know, as opportunities go, you know, you pray for a window, I got a garage door. It was so big you could drive a truck through it, metaphorically speaking, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and so it was just so cool. Um, I won't give you all the details, but when my dad said something, I was like, oh, this is it. This is like, this is, this is, you got you to gotta talk to him. So I shared my story with him. I thanked him, by the way. I just said, thank you, dad. And, and I'm the same thankful you, mom, uh, took me to church. You laid the foundation. But I said, you know, I learned that I needed to make a choice to receive Christ myself. And so I said, uh, and everybody needs to do that, implying him as well. And so, so we, we, a conversation went on. And, you know, I learned that a lot of things, and I don't want to get too personal here, but, but just saying that, you know, uh, he, uh, he may already know the Lord, but he's watching Charles Stanley. That's never happened before. And I'm just like, you know, Charles Stanley, if you don't know, is a solid Bible preacher, been around since dirt. I mean, <laughs> real solid. And that, you know, he's a great guy. But anyway, so there's just so many wonderful things happening there. And so I give the glory to God because I know that, okay, that one little delay of text message brought us into this moment, and that was a God moment. There's just no question in my mind. And so when I read verses like this, and Jesus is delaying, he's holding back, it's because he's got many people he wants us to reach. And so when we experience delays uh, and confusions, factor that in. Factor this redemption factor in. That, okay, God, I don't really know uh, why this is happening, but maybe there's some redeeming factor in this. Maybe you're trying to put us in the path of somebody that needs to hear about you. I don't really know. But I believe that you could be. You know, and so we just need to kind of look. We need, to, we need God's grace to see life that way, don't we? We need God's grace to see, oh, I don't know what's going on here. It's kind of frustrating, but I trust you, God. You might be doing something. 
you might be putting together a God moment, right, that we call them. I mean, every moment's a God moment in, in, in reality, but, you know, where you just see God working, uh, and, and, you, and you acknowledge it and recognize it, right? And so, anyway, um, I just wanted to share that story with you. Uh, you know, there's another verse I want to give to you about trusting God with the timing of things. Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6, if you don't know that, you just need to, you just need to soak this one in. You need to sit on it this week. Um, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You know, because there are things we encounter, we don't understand why they're happening. Um, again, plans thwarted, life plans we had, you know, totally trash now. Something else is in our path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know what that means? It means lay it all down. It means like submit your life to God. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. That's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful promise from God. And it's a promise you need to cling to in your confusion and in your disappointment and in your discouragement. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And you can just tell God, God, I'm having trouble trusting you. I want to trust you. You know, help me. You know, help my unbelief. And the Lord will do it. He'll honor that. All right? So, when I looked at this passage this week, and I looked at this road to Emmaus, I said, yes, here we have an incredible resurrection appearance. Our Savior lives. He's reigning and ruling. Uh, by rising from the dead, he's proven that he's, he, he has accomplished what he set out to do, which was to, to pay the penalty for our sins all right? and make it available to all who would invite him in to their lives. And so this, these four things, just in recap, invite God in, surrender your expectations to him, seek God's perspective in his word, and trust God's timing. If we do those things, when we're in a spot where we're confused and discouraged, he's going to help. It's going to help us get an anchor, basically. It's going to put an anchor in our soul when, if we don't have it, we're going to just be adrift and be tossed here and there all over the place and maybe be a shipwreck of our faith. Okay? And so let's pray. Let's go to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your, your word. I thank you for the Bible that we have these stories written down for our encouragement and to help us to know what the truth is, that we do serve a risen Savior. Jesus is not in the tomb. Thank you that the resurrection power is available to all believers through the Holy Spirit. and He helps us live our daily lives. He helps us love the people around us. He helps us love our enemies. He helps us in times of trouble. Heavenly Father, help us to cling to the Savior. Thank you that Jesus, in this scene in history, showed up with these guys along the road. A time when they were very discouraged and gave them hope. Lord, and I just pray to all of us who are here listening today or listening online would know that you are the God of all hope and that they would invite you in. They would experience the hope in this life as well as in the next. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.